If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. And this morning we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11 in our study together. But I actually want to begin reading at verse 4. So Philippians 3, beginning our reading at verse 4. Beginning our reading with verses that we have uh, dug deep into already. But this, this will just kind of help set the context for us for the verses ahead of us this morning, verses 9 through 11. So beginning in verse 4, Philippians 3, follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from the English Standard Version. Paul writes to the Philippian church in verse 4, Philippians 3, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And verse 7 says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And verse 9, And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now last week here we heard Paul make very clear that no amount of proper upbringing and we need to hear this, we need to know this, and be convinced of this in our hearts from the truth of the Scriptures. No amount of proper upbringing, no strong family heritage in the church, no amount of good rule-keeping, not even being a very religious person, can make you right with God. According to His righteous standard, His holy standard, none of those things can make us right with God. Paul made it clear that if it was possible for anyone to be made right with God with that kind of background and, and heritage and training and practice, uh, works, good works even, if anyone should have qualified, it would have been him. But he did not qualify. He saw that clearly. That's what he was making clear in the passage that we looked at last week in verses 4 through 8. He did not qualify because none of these things makes a person right with God. What we learned last week from verses 4 through 8 is that the only way to being right with God is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By putting your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. That is the only way to be forgiven your sins. That is the only way to receive eternal life. That is the only way you're going to get to heaven one day. 
through faith in Jesus Christ alone. When you put your faith in Jesus alone, as Paul says in verse 8, you gain Christ. Isn't that wonderful? You put your faith in Jesus. What do you get? You gain Christ. Gaining Christ is everything. But what you might wonder, what does it mean to gain Christ? And that's what we're going to see today in verses 9 through 11. It's interesting here how Paul helps us understand what it means to gain Christ and how special this is, how miraculous this is for us to gain Christ through faith in Christ. He's going to show us by way of three spiritual graces, three spiritual gifts from God that we receive only through faith in Jesus Christ. These are works of God's grace in the life of the believer in Jesus, and we do not earn them. Let me remind you once again, we can't earn these. These are gifts from God through faith in Jesus Christ and faith in Him alone. They are gifts from God, as gracious as God is. It's incredible to see these three graces. So here's the first of these three works of God's grace in the life of a believer in Jesus, and it's seen in verse 9. Paul calls this grace of God righteousness from God. Righteousness from God. Look at verses 8 and 9 again. I just read them, but I want you to look at them closely. Look at your Bibles and follow along with me. Verses 8 and 9. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, says verse 9. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God. You see that? The righteousness from God that depends on faith. What Paul is saying here in this verse is that when Christ is gained through faith alone, the believer in Jesus receives the righteousness of Christ as a gift from God. The believer in Jesus is declared righteous that's a wonderful gift to be declared righteous through faith in christ this wonderful work of god is what the bible calls justification that's an important term justification turn with me to romans 3 for a moment You can keep a finger there in Philippians 3, but turn back a few chapters in the New Testament to to Romans 3. It is so important to understand justification by faith alone in Jesus. We can find the truth of justification by faith. It's taught really throughout the Bible. But one of the most helpful passages on this is in Romans chapter 3. Look at verses 21 through 26. Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested 
apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Look at verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. All. (laughs) For all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Justification by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Isn't that wonderful? You should be praising God in your heart. I know you're not jumping up and down right now, but in your heart, you ought to be jumping up and down right now that this is wonderful. Now go back to Philippians 3 and look at verse 9 again. This is why in verse 9, Paul says that he wants to be found in him. He wants to be found in Christ. Why? Because he knows he cannot earn forgiveness of sins. No amount of good works, no amount of good upbringing, no amount of religiosity. Is that a word? No amount of being very religious. None of that will make you right with God. He knows that the righteousness of Christ is credited to His account on on Christ's behalf, not on His behalf. He knows that by God's grace, He gets the gift of Christ's righteousness credited to His account. And so Paul says, He wants to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. If you think... As graciously as I can say it here this morning, if you think that you're going to be made right with God because you're a good person, you are wrong. And do not be deceived into thinking that you can earn your way into God's good graces. You cannot stop trying. Simply, and this is not so simple for some people, but I say simply believe in Jesus. So Paul says he wants to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own. His credentials may have impressed people, but they did not. They do not impress God. That's a lesson for all of us. I appreciate uh, pastor, now with the Lord, pastor and radio Bible teacher J. Vernon McGee. Anybody ever listen to J. Vernon McGee? When I first started listening to J. Vernon McGee on the radio, I thought, I can't listen to this guy. He's so hard to listen to. But after a couple of weeks, I forgot his little verbal peculiarities, and I stopped hearing of that. And I started hearing the gospel that he was preaching. And uh, I would encourage you to look up J. Vernon McGee. You can still find J. Vernon McGee's radio programs on the Internet. In some, some places, you can still hear them on the radio. He said something really simple <laughs> that's profound, too, about all the other religions in the world. He says, all the other religions in the world say, do, do, do. 
Only Christianity says, done. (laughs) Done. Christ has done it all. We must still do serious battle against our own sinfulness, yes. We are still dealing with temptation and sin. But in in Christ's work, it is done. We have His righteousness if our faith is in Him alone. We can rest knowing that God actually declares us righteous because of the sinlessness and finished work of His Son, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. When we put our faith in Jesus alone, credited to our account in God's eyes is Christ's righteousness. We are justified. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ alone, we gain Christ. And all who are justified will stand before God someday knowing that because they are found in Christ, it's as if they had not sinned. It's not that they didn't sin. But when God looks at us, it's going to be as if we hadn't sinned because He's going to be looking at the righteousness of Christ on our account. We are not punished for our sins if our faith is in Jesus Christ. Jesus took the punishment On our behalf, God poured out His wrath on His Son. His just and righteous and holy wrath, He poured out on His sinless Son. So that we, if if our faith is in Jesus, don't face His just wrath, His judgment. And because He did, forgiveness of sins and eternal life is the gift of God for all who believe in Jesus. Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Praise God. What a wonderful grace this is, that God imputes righteousness to all who by faith trust in Jesus alone. Does that describe you today? Have you put your faith in Jesus alone? Are you still trying to earn your way into God's grace? You cannot. Have you trusted in Jesus alone? So important. Now, let's look at the second work of God's grace that a believer receives only through faith in Christ. It's in verse 10, and Paul calls this the power of his resurrection. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at verse 10. Look at your Bible. And verse 10 says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Paul says, I want to know Him. You know, this is the desire of every preacher of God's Word that the people he preaches to would say, I want to know Jesus more. Don't stop. Tell me again. Tell me more. And Paul says, "Ah, I may know Him. He wants to know more of Christ. He knows He has the imputed righteousness of Christ. He knows He is justified through faith in Christ alone, but He also wants to go even further than that. He wants wants to know Christ 
more personally, more fully. You know, God, that's what God wants of us. God wants us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He wants us to hunger and thirst for the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ found in His Word. I'll just say it again. Does that describe you today? If you say, I have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. I know I'm justified. Now I would say, is it your desire to know Him more? To know Him more? To keep going deeper? Do you know Christ as Savior and Lord, but do you also want to know Him more? Paul doesn't have the attitude that says, all right, I've arrived. I have forgiveness of sins. I'm justified. Now I can take it easy. No. No, he wants to know more of Christ. He goes on in verse 10 saying, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul wanted to know Christ more fully. His desire was to know Christ more deeply. And so in verse 9, we learn believers in Jesus are righteous not because of their own efforts, but because of Christ's finished work on the cross. That's justification. The believer has the righteousness from God that depends on faith. We know from verse 9. Now in verse 10, we're learning about what the Bible calls sanctification. Sanctification. Justification is what we receive instantly when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are justified instantly when we trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins. We are justified. Justification. Sanctification is an ongoing process by which God works in us. And this too is a gift from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Justification opens the door for sanctification. Sanctification is the act of God making us experientially, day by day, little by little, what we already are positionally in Christ. We are justified in Christ by faith in Him alone. Sanctification is that process that that God works in us through the Holy Spirit, with His Word, helping us become day by day, experientially, what we're already declared to be in Christ. Sanctification is the ongoing work of God in the life of a believer in Jesus, helping us become more Christ-like. As hard as that is, as much as you have to work at that daily to become more, more like Christ, God is all about that in your life. He wants that to happen. He is working in you to help you become more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification is not about this. Now, don't hear me say this. Sanctification is not about letting go and letting God do all the work. I don't have to do anything. I can just wait for God to make me more like Christ. God's about working in you. Yes, He is. But this is where you show up and you bring with your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. You're not Again, you're not working for salvation here, but because Jesus has saved you, because you are justified, because His righteousness is credited to your account, your desire, your indwelling desire helped along by the Holy Spirit, helping you desire this, and with the Word informing you, your desire ought to be to want to please God, to want to be more righteous 
to be more sinless. We hear this in 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as He who, is called, who, has, who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is what God declares. I want you to be righteous. I want you to pursue Christ-likeness. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help sanctify you. I have given you, God says to us, when we trust in Christ, I have poured into you the indwelling presence, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, to help you, to help sanctify you. Paul wants to honor Jesus with the way that he lives. Do you want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with the way that you live? For all that He has done for you, is this your desire? Not to earn His approval. Not to earn right standing amongst God's people or even in the church. But is this your desire to honor Christ? Growing in Christ-likeness. Growing in obedience. Paul wants to honor Jesus with the way that he lives. So he says here in verse 10 that he wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Why does he say that? Because the power of Christ's resurrection, his victory over sin, death, and hell, gives victory for every believer to say no when tempted to sin. Without the Lord's help, we do not have power to say no to sin. Before faith in Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. What can a dead man do? Nothing. We cannot please God when we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But Christ makes us alive through faith in Him. And then He pours His Holy Spirit into our hearts and lives and helps us long for obedience and take steps to obey. And that's only possible because Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell by rising from the dead on the third day. Christ's death and resurrection brings power into our lives, makes power available to us by way of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, the Word of truth working in us. It brings us the ability by the power of God at work in us to turn away from sin, turning to obedience to God, turning away from temptation, working to discipline ourselves so that when we see things that would lead us into temptation, we take steps with God's help, with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom of God's Word, to discipline ourselves to turn away from those things, to, to not to put ourselves in those situations where we would be tempted. Listen to how Paul describes this work of God. It's a work of God in Romans 6. Verses 4 through 6. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's the life you get through faith in Christ and in him alone to turn from temptation, to turn from sin. Going on in verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection 
like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. There's another hallelujah. Praise God that we we don't have to be enslaved to sin any longer through faith in Jesus Christ. Knowing Christ, knowing the power of the resurrection brings God's power to work in our lives, helping us to be victorious over sin, enabling us to live a holy and God-honoring life. Note here, I'm not saying that we're perfect. That we have not arrived perfection. We will not arrive at perfection this side of heaven. But, but by God's help, He is sanctifying us day by day, making us more like His Son. If we are paying attention to God's Word, if as God's child, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, for the forgiveness of our sins, He has made us new. He has poured His Holy Spirit into our hearts. And if we humbly come before God's Word, and seek to obey what God is teaching us in His Word. He is changing us day by day, making us more righteous, more holy. We'll be found saying with Paul from verse 10, that, I'm, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. You know, and often the way this works, knowing Him and the power of His resurrection, we become more aware of how sinful we still are. We don't... We don't you know, kind of gloss over things and say, I'm not sinful anymore. It, it actually tunes our hearts in such a way that we, we see more as God sees us and sees the thing, we see the things that we need to pay attention to more fully and bring under subjection to God's Word. We see more fully how sinful we are in attitude, in action, in word. You know, the more we know Christ and the power of His resurrection the more we're going to be turning from, running from sin. And closely tied to knowing Christ and the power of His resurrection is what Paul says at the end of verse 10. May share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Paul is not talking about sharing in the actual suffering of Christ on the cross. But he is willing, what he is saying is, he's willing to suffer for the sake of righteousness. What he's saying is, is if this means that I choose to do right in obedience to God's word and I suffer for it, I'm willing to suffer for it because it's far better to please God than it is to please man. And there were many occasions when Paul did suffer for the cause of Christ. He did. He practiced what he preached. We can hear it in passages like 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10, where he writes, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Preacher and author George Whitfield, who lived in the 1700s, wrote that suffering times are a Christian's best improving times. <laughs> you, you probably don't like to hear that. 
I don't like the idea of that either. Suffering times are a Christian's best improving times. That's a biblical truth, though. That's the truth of God's Word. You may not like that idea, but we often discover it is true. Just as James 1, verses 2-4 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, the trials... And the testing of your faith, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the trials and testing of your faith produces, produces patience. You say, I don't want to learn patience the hard way. Can I just have the gift of patience? <laughs> but that patience that God works in us as our faith is tested through trials It strengthens our faith for more obedience. So that when we're tempted to depart from the truth because it looks scary to be obedient, we're not scared to be obedient. We say, no, wait a minute. I know God will help me. I may suffer through this, but God will grow me through this and help me through this. I'm going to obey. And so the process of sanctification in our our lives, the process of becoming holy, it may involve suffering. It may involve hardship. It it likely will. And Paul recognizes that here in verse 10. Paul has shown us the righteousness of Christ from God, that is, the believer's justification. And he has shown us the power of Christ's resurrection, that is, the believer's sanctification. And now in verse 11, Paul reveals the third spiritual grace that a believer receives only through faith in Christ, resurrection from the dead. Resurrection from the dead. That is what the Bible calls the believer's glorification. Glorification. Look again at verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, careful. At first glance, it might look like Paul is hoping that he gets to experience the resurrection. But that would not align with what he makes very clear that he believes and is very confident about when he's speaking of the resurrection of believers in Jesus elsewhere. Paul certainly looked forward to the day when he would dwell forever with the Lord, when he would see Jesus face to face in glory. He looked forward to that day. You ought to look forward to that day. Listen to his words in Romans 8, verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. He's talking about the rapture. Groaning inwardly. Can anybody else identify with that? The world that we live in today, the challenges that we're facing, we often, as believers, who, who our hope is in heaven, we say, oh, even so, come Lord Jesus. Any day now, Lord, we'll, we'll be happy to go. And yet, at least in this moment, we're still here. And God wants us to serve Him here and now. Groaning inwardly, we can identify with that. It's obvious all around us that we live in a fallen world. And we are afflicted with pain and suffering. But there is coming a day 
when this will all pass away. And we anticipate that day. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you anticipate that day. Revelation 21.4 says, He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there, there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What Paul is expressing here in verse 11 is not doubt. Don't hear that as doubt about whether he would be present at the resurrection of the saints. What he's expressing is that he doesn't know if he'll be dead and resurrected with the dead saints or whether he'll be alive and raptured with the living saints, raptured with the church. He is simply and humbly saying that he's expectant and either way he's looking forward to that day that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Is that your confidence today? Is your confidence in Christ knowing that He has saved you? He has cleansed you? He has credited to your account Jesus' righteousness? And that He is sanctifying you? That you see God is changing you little, little by little, helping you become more obedient to Him? And that He will one day glorify you. Your glorification will be complete. You'll see Jesus face to face. You look forward to heaven. Is that you? There is a wonderful future awaiting all who have trusted in Jesus. There's a wonderful future awaiting us either at the resurrection or the rapture. And won't that be wonderful? The future glorification of believers in Jesus Christ can sometimes be hard to comprehend because we're living here in a material world. Everything that we see and touch and smell, right? Taste. That future glorification of believers in Jesus Christ is real. It is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. And the more we know from God's Word, the more hardship we see and experience in this world, the more anticipation we have for that day, the more we'll want to keep being, being held up and encouraged by the word that God has given us, by the spirit that God has given us, we're going to want to know Jesus and know him more. What a wonderful eternity we have to look forward to enjoying with Jesus. Won't that be the day? Paul has shown us three spiritual graces that are gifts from God. We ought to be rejoicing in the gifts that God gives freely to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness from God the believer's justification, the power of Christ's resurrection at work in us now. Because He lives, we can live. We can say no to sin, the believer's sanctification, and the resurrection from the dead, the believer's glorification. These are for everyone whose faith is in Jesus Christ alone. Does this describe you today? If this does not describe you today, I let me encourage you. Let me plead with you to put your faith in Jesus today and in Him alone. You can do it right where you are, right in this moment, crying out to God from your heart, I believe in Jesus Christ. Please save me from my sins. And God saves you. God saves you. Praise God. These are for everyone who believes in Jesus alone. Righteousness from God, justification, power of Christ's resurrection, sanctification, resurrection from the dead, glorification. Therefore, everyone whose faith is in Jesus Christ, 
all made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. All praise be to God.